Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Coming up on the Hockey News pregame show, bombshell developments in the Hockey Canada sexual assault investigation. Utah shooting its shot for NHL expansion, and the league seems open to it. And joining us live from Winnipeg, we've got team site editor David Alter to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm Ryan Kennedy. I'm Michael Trakos, and this is the Hockey News pregame show, brought to you by BetMGM and NorthlandHockey.com. What's up, hockey fans? Welcome to the Hockey News pregame show. Michael Trakos, I'm with Ryan Kennedy as usual. And Ryan, we've got some major news coming out of you know, Hockey Canada. Um, this is going to be news that affects the NHL. Um, after six long years, um, going back to 2018, we finally have charges being filed against five unnamed NHL players or players. Uh, one of them is, uh, we don't know if they're all in the NHL, but... Um, Let's talk about this because, you know, this is a world junior team from 2018. Um, you know, alleged uh, sexual assault allegations. Um, we're finally getting to that finish line where we're going to have some finality to this. Uh, what's your initial reaction? I think we have to be prepared for a, a big bombshell here and, 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 the, and what the fallout will be. I don't think we've ever seen a scandal this big that could potentially impact multiple NHL players and young ones at that, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there have been isolated criminal incidences over the years. There have been obviously some big scandals, but even in the you know, event that we see these players on the ice again after you know, the whole legal process plays itself out, I mean, are they going to get booed in every single arena, including their own? Uh, you know, what comes out in the trial? Like, even if they're found not guilty, is there going to be that black cloud over them? And if they are found guilty, is there prison time? How much prison time is there? And if somehow they're found guilty and don't go to prison, what are the, what are the ramifications there? Because the amount of public outrage surrounding this case since um, you know since it came to light, since you know Hockey Canada secrecy essentially brought down the entire organization at its, uh, at its higher ranks. You know they lost a bunch of sponsors, and those sponsors just now started trickling back. I mean, this is a massive. I, I can't think of a bigger off ice case involving hockey in North America right now. I mean, we've seen some major black, junior lawsuits. The Blackhawks I guess the Blackhawks would be, be another one that kind yeah. of mirrored this almost. Yeah, but yeah that's a you're, good point. You're right. Like the you know, first we heard about this was 2022, mm -hmm. um, where we found out that you know Hockey Canada had secretly paid off um, 
um, a woman who uh, alleged that there was a sexual assault that happened at a Hockey Canada gala following the 2018, you know, that was a gold medal winning team. That was yep. a team that, you know, like a ton of talent on it. Sure. Um, you know, Kale McCarr was on that team. Right. You know, Carter Hart was on that team. And Jordan Cairo was on that team. Mm. Um, a lot of really good players. And I'm not saying any of those players were involved in this, but... Uh, and we can even say Kale McCarr was on vacation during that gala. So we know Kale McCarr was not involved. True. Because he physically was not in the country. All right, here's what we know, Ryan. Five players from Canada's 2018 World Juniors team have been directed to report to London, Ontario to mm. face charges of a sexual assault. Mm. We're not going to know much until February 5th when London police said they are going to address the media, uh, hold an availability to talk more about the case. But even then, I imagine this is going to be one of those ones where it gets played out in the courts and we don't find out a whole lot until you know, maybe deep into, I don't know, I guess if this goes to trial. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing is the timeline on this is completely unknown, yeah. right? I mean, the justice system, it, it doesn't always move at the pace that public opinion might want. And as we've seen so far, I mean, this has been an arduous process, mm -hmm. uh, not only since the alleged event happened, but since we all found out about the, you know, the cover-up. So... To me, it's going to be fascinating because you're going to have public opinion. You're going to have a lot of pressure from not only, you know, Canadians, but I'm sure, you know, different levels of authority, whether it's, you know, different government uh, officials uh, are going to speak out, politicians and the like. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the greater hockey community has to say about this in terms say, of the this, expediency. This isn't the summer that we're talking. Like we're we're in the thick of things here. We're yeah. midway through the season, and there's some NHLers that have been speculated as to they are of the the five that um, are going to have to go to London Police. And these are if if it is the players that we're talking about, they're important players to a team Certainly. that are in a playoff hunt right now. They're very well could be impact players, as, as you mentioned. I, I think nearly everybody on that team has played at least a little bit in the NHL. There's probably a couple that are, are, are in the minors. Um, but yeah, we're most likely going to see some impact players involved here. And that's what makes this so uh, just like fascinating is, uh, like I say, with a lot of the scandals we've, we've seen in the past, it wasn't necessarily active players or players that were getting into their prime mm -hmm. um, that were, you know, whatever, had been charged or if there was scandals uncovered. Um, so I, I'm very interested to see just how all of this is handled um, at all levels, where whether it's uh, the NHL, the NHLPA is obviously going to be heavily involved as well, because no matter how you feel about those involved, if they're in the Players Association, then they, you know, they deserve defense and support. That's what a union not just in hockey, that's what any union does. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously the NHL has a, a duty to mete out discipline as they see fit, you know, if and when that happens. And there's so many unknowns right now that we are just seeing the tip of the iceberg, but obviously this is a story that's not going, any, it's not going away anytime soon. And, and just to kind of echo like the whole Chicago Blackhawks scandal, like that you know, took down Stan Bowman. Mm -hmm. um, Joel Quenville, who was no longer with the Blackhawks, was coaching the, the Panthers when all this came to light. Mm. 
lost his job with the Panthers. And still not coaching. Still not coaching. Yeah. Um, so, you know, regardless of what happens in the courts, the NHL can still make their decisions uh, beyond that. So Certainly. It, it's, it's going to be one that we're going to be talking about probably um, regularly um, during this whole investigation and whatever comes of it. So, Some fun news coming down the pipeline this week. Uh, Utah Jazz owner Ryan Smith and his consortium putting it out there that Utah is open for business for an expansion team. They are very intrigued. And the NHL, th this is the part that really sort of got me thinking, okay, well this is going in the positive direction. The NHL responded mm -hmm. in a very positive way. Traditionally, if the, the NHL didn't like people putting the cart before the horse when it came to expansion, even going back to Jim Ball's You want a team, don't tell the NHL you want a team. Exactly. That's the so, usual rule, isn't it? Yes, exactly. So the fact that Utah made a statement and the NHL put out their own statement that was like, okay, we see you guys, <laughs> that to me says things are moving in that direction. So let's talk about expansion. Yeah. Utah's interested, we know Atlanta is on the map again. There's a complex north of the city, South Forsyth, that's being built that could certainly house an NHL team. What's the timeline here? Is 34 teams the right play? Because you also have Houston, that's a huge TV market. What are we thinking here? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The first question is, do we need 34 teams, Ryan? Mm-hmm. Uh, there'd be... You know, talk to most hockey fans. They're like, forget about expansion. Let's like, let's contract this thing back to a reasonable number here. And I'm not right. saying let's not go to like 1993, like 24 teams. Right. Although, yeah. um, it would be a lot more skill. <laughs> Can you imagine how good, or even like when we, when you and I were growing up, it was 21. How old are you? No, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. And 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 you imagine, could, imagine you those the lineups. Well, that's why everyone, you talk to like an old folk guy uh, about yeah. the original six, and they're like, oh, it's like Hall of Famers on every single line. So <laughs> It's like, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. There's only six teams. So, uh, you know, the people who are most happy about the expansion uh, is anyone who's in the AHL right now. Totally. Uh, more jobs. But, yeah, yeah, do you need 34 teams? I don't know. You can make that argument that you don't. But, you know, if we are going to go anywhere, I like going to Salt Lake City, Utah. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's a good market. Um, I've never actually been there, but, you know, the Utah Jazz are there. Um, you know, sharing a home with them makes sense. Um, just, you know, being in that city makes a lot of sense. As for where they should go up elsewhere, I like Houston as a market. Um, I'm not so sold on Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So... It's interesting because just picking up on that, you know, with this new Atlanta bid, like I said, it's not Atlanta, Atlanta, because a big problem it feels just from the folks I've talked to in the mm -hmm. past, most recently with the Thrashers, is you had really bad city traffic and you had a lot of the fans that were coming from the suburbs. So you had that as a bit of a barrier. And then of course with the Thrashers specifically, there was that whole mess where their, their owners also owned the Hawks and the owners didn't get along with each other, blah, blah, blah. This new arena is in a county north of the city. It's one of the richest counties in America. So from what I gather, you're going to get a lot of, you know, luxury box. You're getting a lot of corporate support because there's a lot of tech industry in that area. Mm -hmm. And of course, as I mentioned with Houston, you get a big TV market. So I'm, I'm intrigued by this new Atlanta 
concept because it's not what we've seen before. Going back to Utah, I think you make a lot of great points uh, just about that market. And also, you know, Utah kind of has a sneaky good history of minor league hockey where you got the Utah Grizzlies of the ECHL. But even going back to the 60s, and I know this because of Jersey Hand in the magazine, you had the Salt Lake Golden Eagles, who I want to say they were in like the old Central League or one of those old, you know, sort of AHL type leagues. Uh, so they have had hockey there, you know, for quite a while. Maybe not always continuously, but you know, there is that history there. You do, you know, had the Olympic Games in Salt Lake City. Of course, sounds like they might get it again in 2034. Um, so a lot of sort of ins and outs there, and obviously you have an owner. Uh, in Ryan Smith and his group that is dedicated to spending money, bringing the team there, and, uh, and making an impact. It's interesting, too, you mentioned the number of teams, you know, people saying 32 is fine. Seattle Kraken. And it's like, sorry, Leaf fans, but I have to make this joke. Seattle and Toronto have something in common. They've both been to the second round once in the past 15 years. Ouch. Right? Ouch, why you gotta go there? I'm sorry, but it's, you know... Seems uncalled for. Seems uncalled for, but at the same time, it's like, these days, if you put the proper people in charge, and and Vegas is obviously the prime example, starting with George McPhee and then going on to Kelly McCrimmon, and then Seattle, obviously, with Ron Francis, you can build a competitive team very quickly in the NHL. I also wonder, with all the uncertainty with international hockey in Russia, do we see more of those what were KHL imports from North America, stay over here, go to different leagues in Europe. You know, the game is only growing in the US. We're gonna see more talent come out of the US in the coming years. And again, even though Utah is saying, hey, we could have a team next year if you want us to, I think it's probably more likely that we're looking at three or four years down the road, wouldn't you? Yeah, and I also think when you're talking about expansion, let's not forget why the NHL might like this. Expansion fees, Ryan. Yeah. $500 million when Vegas entered the league. $650 million when Seattle entered the league. So if you're talking a couple of years from now, maybe that 650 grows to what, $800 million? I wouldn't be surprised if it's a billion. Yeah, and you add another team. You know, mm-hmm. you're talking about why the salary cap is not going up and what could help it go up. Well, expansion could really help in that regard. Yeah. Um, adding two more teams and, yeah, what you just said, uh, maybe $2 billion then. I was going to say, I know 32 people that would be very happy with an expansion <laughs> fees, and they are called the Board of Governors. <laughs> and, and another thing that might be advantageous is you look at the NBA and what they're doing now with their play-in format. So mm. you get an extra couple teams, you know, maybe you do that sort of NBA-style play-in format mm-hmm. uh, for the playoffs where, you know, add a little bit of extra juice down the, the stretch. True. And... Again, you make a very good point there where if you're up to 34 teams, then what does the playoff field look like? Do you keep it Mm. as a bracket of 16 and it's just ultra competitive? Or do you do something where you sort of acknowledge like, okay, well, you know, we had 16 teams when we had 21 teams in the league. 
30 teams in the league, 32 teams. Now that it's 34, do we look at another format where maybe it's like, okay, well now it's going to be 18 teams with play-ins for the 8-9 seed or whatever whatever it happens to be in the conference. Yeah, because it's become that much harder now to make the playoffs when you mm-hmm. just keep adding teams but you don't add playoff spots. So, yeah. you know, you're talking about owners and what they like. Well, they like playoff tickets. Yeah. Because <laughs> you don't have to pay players in the playoffs. And the networks love playoff hockey. Although I will say with the Canadian networks, they only love it when Canadian teams are in the playoffs. Sure. So this should be a nice year for them, especially at West. But let's get down to brass tacks here. The most important question, what should the Utah team be called? Well, I'm going to go with what's maybe the most popular name being thrown out there is the Yeti. Uh, Utah Yeti has a nice kind of ring to it. Um, you know, easy mascot, obviously. You sure. just get a Yeti. That's right. <laughs> um, no, but I like that. Uh, what do you like? I have a couple of options, and I will say... With the Yeti, if that's the one that fans are clamoring about, think again, back to the Kraken. At first, people were like, ah, it wouldn't be cool if they called him the Kraken, and it was sort of like, yeah, yeah, that'd be fun, but they probably won't. Mm. But Seattle listened to the fan base, and they were like, you know what, we can make this work. They went Kraken. I think when that dropped, I remember it was a, you know, it was a press conference. Uh, we were all watching online because of the pandemic. But it was like, oh, they did it. They, they actually went cracking. And then the logo was amazing. And it's been great branding. For me, I got two. One's a little sillier than the other, although not so much. I like Utah Saints. And that was a British DJ duo in the 90s uh, that did a Kate Bush sample for a song called Something Good. So I okay. always like to chant out Utah Saints. Uh, but... You know, you think about, like, uh, the state of Utah and the Church of Latter-day Saints is huge there. Oh, so you get that tie-in. Yeah, yeah. The logo would be easy. you do a U with a little halo off the one prong. That would be great. The other one, this is more historical. Again, there used to be a team called the Salt Lake Golden Eagles. Now, you can't go Golden Eagles because you got the Golden Knights. Mm-hmm. But you could go Salt Lake City Eagles. Don't have a lot of birds in the NHL. No, well, penguins... You got penguins, they don't fly. That's it. Right? So you go Salt Lake Eagles, you can, have, you can certainly have gold in the color. Maybe even go with that old color scheme, which was kind of like gold with some blue and red, if I'm not mistaken. I'd have to look it up again. But Salt Lake, Golden, uh, sorry, Salt Lake City Eagles, I think that sounds pretty good. SLC Eagles. Do you like Salt Lake City over Utah as a name, though? I could go either way, to be honest. Yeah, yeah I'm all right. I think, I think you're covered. I mean, you got Utah Jazz, so obviously it works that way. But, yeah, I'm good with either. We go live to Winnipeg where we've got Toronto Maple Leafs site editor and reporter David Alter. And, David, uh, some developments coming out of the Toronto Maple Leafs in the last you know, 24 hours. Kelly Youngcrook uh, going to be out week to week. What can you tell us about this injury? Yeah, this is a, a freak injury that occurred at practice on Friday. So the Maple Leafs are doing their practice. They're getting ready to, to uh, come here to Winnipeg to take on the Jets and in a practice drill, there's a shot from the point and it just happens to catch Callie Yarncroke's hand. And uh, he goes into the bench uh, right away to kind of get looked at. And then uh, I kind of get my phone rolling and I see he's walking to the dressing room. You can see him slam his glove off in disgust. And you knew right then and there, this wasn't minor. If the player is reacting that way, he's definitely felt like something really bad has happened. And so, uh, we got the confirmation here this morning from head coach Sheldon Keefe that Callie Yarncroke is going to be out week to week with a broken knuckle. So Ryan Reeves, who's from here in Winnipeg, who hasn't played since this December 14th and 
has claimed many times over that he's healthy, is finally going to get his opportunity here against the Winnipeg Jets in the final game before this uh, holiday-mandated break for, uh, for both of these teams before the All-Star break here. And David, on a more positive note, that last game against Winnipeg, uh, Ilya Samsonov really stepped up for the Maple Leafs. Uh, is Samsonov back? Is there at least some positivity? What's, uh, what's the vibe there? Yeah, I think things are looking pretty good for Ilya Samsonov, Ryan. And only because you could just tell by his disposition that he's not allowing himself to get caught up in anything because when times are good he's feeling good he's kind of showing it he's showing the emotion when times are bad you've obviously seen those bad emotions as well so he was asked yesterday point blank are you back and he's like listen i don't know if i'm back i'm here day to day moment to moment and this is all i'm thinking about right now and that if you're leaf management that's the biggest indication that he's back because he's he's saying all the right things doing all the right things and just not letting uh, the moment get caught up to him. In my preparation for this game, I couldn't actually believe this was the very first time that he's going to be starting in three consecutive games, which when going into the season as the projected number one, that's really surprising to think. But Joseph Wall bailed him out early in the season. They kind of had to make other adjustments afterwards. And then uh, Samson not struggled. And now he, he's right back into a spot where he's playing his best hockey in 2024. So... Uh, the Leafs like what they see here, and this is going to be another difficult challenge against a, a really tight defensive Winnipeg Jets team that's going to have a couple of guys coming back into the lineup here. Yeah, Samsonov is back, but the power play is still not where it needs to be. Uh, eight games now where it's kind of been running cold during that time. This power play is one for 20, and that's a surprising stat, Dave, when you're talking about Austin Matthews, who's still red hot, uh, firing the puck into the net at, at will, and you got Marner, you got Nylander, you got Tavares, you got Riley. How, how do you explain why the power play is running so cold right now? The only thing I'll say is ever since this core one, those four guys you mentioned and Morgan Riley have been a unit together, at some point or another, no matter how they finish the regular season, they go through lulls like this. Like, they've been a two... Team. It's a little bit worse now because they are, uh, I think, eight or ninth last I checked here in the power play standings, which is a bit lower, but that's still not terrible. And so Morgan Riley identified maybe one of the specific things about why it's not going well. And it's been an issue for them in the past, too, is that they're hanging on to the puck too much and maybe overthinking things. And so when you have weapons like that, you know, sometimes you think, oh, it's better to fake out the the scouting PK and just do multiple passes and go for the home run goal when sometimes just shooting it is going to be the better play there. And so I think that's what the Maple Leafs have identified as an issue. Uh, The telling thing from Sheldon Keefe was that he said that if, if it doesn't get fixed, that maybe they're going to have to break things up and go with a bit of a different strategy. And so maybe they start moving around a couple of core guys and spreading out the wealth, especially with Cali Yarncroke out now who was playing on PP2. Maybe that forces the issue where they have to kind of spread things out anyway. So uh, I'm curious to see what happens after this. I don't think you'll see much of a change on PP1 tonight, but if it continues to go cold in that 1-20 to like you mentioned before, well then, yeah, maybe that's what's going to have to happen because 
uh, it's quite a challenge right now with this power play unit, just making sure that they're effective because special teams is the hallmark of this team. And it really explains, or it's also a symbol or a symptom of why this team is kind of in the middle of the pack right now in terms of the standings and the possession numbers too. Yeah, well, Leafs are going to get the Jets uh, back-to-back games against them right before the All-Star break. Uh, the last time they faced the Jets, uh, they had Winnipeg had Laurent Boisson in that. They're going to get Connor Hellebuck. Obviously a bigger change or a bigger challenge for the Leafs, uh, David. Just quickly, uh, that matchup against Winnipeg, did you notice anything about the, the opposition that might kind of well, it did give Toronto fits where, you know, they almost they went all 60 minutes there without a goal. Yeah, I just I think from top to bottom, they just scout the the offense really well. They just knew how to plug the holes, uh, get the pucks, get the sticks on the pucks. They just they read the situation really well. I think that's the biggest dif- uh, difference there. I look at I look at the way Winnipeg carries the puck and then I look at the way Toronto carries the puck. And you could just tell Winnipeg usually has two or three guys back and they're anticipating it they they kind of know the tendencies of these players and they're able to come back and and pull away with great chances and with Connor Hellebuck I imagine with a 925 save percentage you're going to see Winnipeg I won't want to say cheat a little bit more but be maybe even more aggressive on the offense than they were in that last game it it was really aggressive in that first period but it kind of sat back a little bit in the second and third as Toronto began to find their their wheels a little bit here so i imagine winnipeg's really going to try to take it to them on the offensive side and i would be surprised if there aren't more goals in this game yeah i hope there's more goals than we saw last time mm-hmm. hey david uh thanks for coming on uh we're gonna see you next week back in toronto with uh, for the all-star break uh david alter uh live from winnipeg coming up after the break we've got another uh segment coming up thumbs up thumbs down stay with us when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Hockey News pregame show, and it's time for some thumbs up, thumbs down. Mike, get ready with your hot takes or your tepid takes. Who knows? Thumbs up, thumbs down. We're going to start off the Montreal Canadiens, Brendan Gallagher. Should he have been given an in-person hearing for his headshot on Adam Pellick of the New York Islanders? As it turned out, Gallagher, he only got a phone hearing. So we got a five-game suspension. So I guess what I'm asking you is, was that long enough? Because if it was in person, they could have gone longer. So thumbs up, thumbs down on the Brendan Gallagher discipline. Yeah, I'm going to go thumbs down, big thumbs down. And this isn't surprising. I think the hockey world is kind of outraged in the fact that Gallagher didn't get an in-person hearing, that mm-hmm. the suspension wasn't more than five games. Uh, for those who didn't see the hit, it was unnecessary. Um, it was dangerous. Um, there, there was no like, hey, this was a hockey play, and he just made a mistake. Mm-hmm. It looked like he leaned in with his elbow. Yeah. It looked like he did what he did, and that was what he was planning. Um, especially for a player who, you know, not that long ago was accusing Tim Stutzla of like being embarrassing about uh, how he's diving around. Mm-hmm. Th- this is beyond embarrassing. This is 
you know, I like Brendan Gallagher. I've talked with him a number of times. This is sort of the kind of thing where you're going, yeah, I, I like the player. I hate the play. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree. I'm going to go thumbs down. It was pretty egregious. Um, I'm going to go from it, you know, from a perspective of, like, why not go with an in-person hearing where you can get a little more information, you know, over the phone, it's it may be a little hard to explain. Because, I mean, like, I thought it should have been, I, I think five games was a good start. I would like to see a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but even just from a, you know, for the Department of Player Safety to, to get Gallagher's side in a more, you know, like, personal way, you know, like over the phone versus in person, it's just different, right? Just to get more context. I don't know if they wanted to do it fast or if they just thought in their heads like, okay, well, this is going to fit into a certain segment of discipline that is probably going to be capped at five games, which is what it turned out to be. But it just felt like that was the sort of play where I, I agree with you. When you look at it, you know, on the replays and granted, you know, we have the benefit of slow motion, but it's like, what was the intent? <laughs> you know, it's like, if not to explode into Pelic's head, it just felt like the situation where, you know, it, it required as much context as possible. And I would agree with you, the chance to go over five games for the suspension. So, yep. there you go there. All right, thumbs up, thumbs down. The Los Angeles Kings are in a tailspin in the worst way. Drew Doughty had some very pointed comments earlier in the week talking about guys that just wanted their cookies Mm -hmm. when they were up. (laughs) And because of that, they were blowing leads. They had a bad game against Buffalo. Is Coach Todd McClellan on the hot seat? Thumbs up or thumbs down? I'm going to say thumbs up for this one. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he's very much in the hot seat. They've lost 12 of the last 14, uh, blowing a 3-1 lead against the Sabres, where Coach called out the stupidity of the play um, for the players. And, you know, when you got Drew Doughty calling... um, teammates out that's never a good sign Mm. um Pierre-Luc Dubois hasn't flourished um in LA whether you blame the coach or not whatever it's just an easy move to make and for LA team that was you know one and two in the standings for um most of the season to be where they are right now and in danger of missing the playoffs um they're in need of a coaching bump um more than anything so yeah thumbs down I think Todd McClellan's job's very much in jeopardy Mm. I can totally see that. I'm going to go thumbs down on this because it does feel like it's a player problem. And yes, it's the coach's job to get the most out of players, to motivate them, to figure out the combinations that work. I'm just worried that at this point, in general in the NHL, teams are going too quick on firing coaches. Like, and I get yeah. it, you can't fire the players and it's easier to get rid of one you know, coach than to deal with the salary cap implications. But, you know, Todd McClellan, I mean, he's done a pretty good job in LA over the years and I would hate for the Kings to make a rash move. And, and hey, the bottom has fallen out. Let's make no mistake there. The mm-hmm. Kings need something to change but I just wonder if there's another route there. There's a lot of coaches, good coaches, have lost their job this year. Totally. And there's a lot of teams that have received pretty good bumps because of coaching changes. Also true. Uh, the fact that Dean Evason is available, the mm. fact that Craig Brube is available, I think this makes this an easy decision. Yeah. You know what? I mean, I totally see what you're saying there. And then the Leafs could hire McClellan after this, so don't worry. There you hey, go. It's a to worry about <laughs> Every, Everybody gets a shot on the carousel. In the words of Whitney Houston, it's not right, but it's okay. There we go. I understand <laughs> what you're saying there, so 
Fair enough. All right. Thumbs up or thumbs down? I love this question. Rumor is there are plans for a new Top Prospects game. It would be a two-game series, CHL versus USA or Canada versus USA, however you want to talk about it. It sounds like it would be Major Junior mm -hmm. versus what we're gathering is probably some combination of the National Team Development Program that USA Hockey runs. Uh, that, of course... Austin Matthews, Jack Eichel, Patrick Kane, Jacob Truba, pretty much <laughs> most American elite players went through the NTDP. And then, of course, the USHL, uh, where the NTDP plays the majority of its games. And also, you know, you get like Brock Besser's USHL, Kyle Connor's USHL. Uh, so a very good development league there. That would, of course, replace what we have now, which was the CHL Top Prospects game, which this year was in Moncton, which I just came back from. And the All-American Prospects game, which was in Michigan, which I always went, also went to this year. So thumbs up or thumbs down, do we want to see a border battle of top prospects? Yeah, this is an easy one, Ryan. 100% thumbs up. Uh, I know there's interest in each of those top prospects games, mm -hmm. but you know, combining them for the casual fan just makes so much sense. Um, anytime you can get some rivalry series between oh, yeah. Canada and U.S., it makes a lot of sense. And the fact that, like, you look at, you know, draft rankings right now, and it's not just a bunch of Canadians usually at the top anymore. It's, um, there is sort of that battle for maybe not number one every year, but at least, you know, jockeying for the top five spots. So um, you mentioned it, like, uh, what is it, Boston College has got uh, three players who spent time together at the development team camp, uh, four if you include Goche. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're seeing more and more players. Um, well, we've seen it for years now, but it just—I I like the idea of just you know pitting them against each other. I think it's going to draw a lot of kind of national interest. Yeah, I, I and obviously this is like the you know embryonic stages of this idea. It was basically just something you know that that was uh, put out there on Twitter by Jeff Merrick, but I have a lot. There's so much sizzle and possibility here. I have so many questions. <laughs> Just in terms of like, you know, how are they going to figure out NCAA eligibility? Because right now, you, you know, if you play major junior, you can't play college. You can't play against major junior players right. if you're in NCAA. Are they going to include NCAA players? Like, if this game happened this year, you know, would Zeev Booyam, who's already at the University of Denver, would he play for the Americans? Uh, what would you do with Max Celebrini? I was going to say, what happens to him? Canadian player playing NCAA, so yeah. I'm sure they'll, they'll figure all that out, but I, I love the idea, and again, I have like fun questions, right? Like the two-game series, is it going to be the same rosters, or is it like Canada 1 versus USA 1 mm. and Canada 2 versus USA 2? You know, sub guys in and out. Uh, it's a fun problem to have, and it's very exciting. Who's the favorite, though, if you had to do it this year? Just best on best. Ooh. Not... Two teams from each uh, season. Yeah. So does Canada get Celebrini? No, because he's in the NCAA. So would he play for the... I don't think he plays. He just doesn't play. Yeah. You know what? It's interesting. I think I might... Because I, I don't think the NCAA is going to uh, release players. They don't do it for... Um, there's even kind of a, what, a 24-hour or 48-hour window Things for Things are evolving on that, but there yeah. are definitely stipulations. Around the draft. And yeah. You know what? It's interesting because the CHL top prospects game this year probably didn't have a top five talent in it. Mm. Maybe a couple of top ten. 
Sam Dickinson, Berkeley Catton, you know, a bunch of guys that are, are going to be sort of 11 to 25. You know, the, the U.S. game, they probably, you know, Cole Eiserman was in it. So for me, he's top five. I know there's some people that go in and out. I think I might take Canada this year, but it would certainly be very competitive. Mm. And I could see the Americans winning the game, even if they didn't necessarily have the stronger roster in terms of who gets picked when. So right. that's what you want. You want that, you know, uncertainty. Okay. Uh, we're going to do one more question here. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau caught on camera clapping furiously and wearing an Ottawa jersey at a recent PWHL game. He was also in the dressing room beforehand giving them a pep talk. Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. The PM going to bat huge, for Ottawa. Huge two thumbs up for that one. Uh, the, the clapping was a little awkward. Right. Um, wasn't necessarily on beat. It was just kind of manically clapping. Yeah. Uh, but you love to see the support. Uh, wearing an Ottawa jersey, obviously showing, you know, a lot of support for the women's game. And everyone's showing support. So mm-hmm. um, you love to see it. Yeah. Thumbs up for me as well. Because too many times you get politicians that are wishy-washy mm. and would say like, oh, I'm just happy, you know, maybe, like, oh, maybe both teams will play well or whatever. The fact that in his pregame, he was like, Ottawa, I'm glad you beat Toronto. <laughs> I hope you beat Boston. That would be even better. The fact that he was planting a flag, shout out to him on that because too many times you see politicians try to play both sides or be just like neutral. The fact that he was like going in on it, I appreciate it. He wasn't wearing a Rob Lowe NFL hat. Exactly. (laughs) Yes, he was like, I'm Ottawa. I'm Ottawa PWHL from day one. So good on him for that. Brian, we're at that time. You know what it is, right? It's rapid fire time. I love it. All right. Producer Connor, hit us up. Some questions. All right. Gary Bettman has now become the longest tenured commissioner in professional sports history which means he has to have done something right along the way. What, you, what is your favorite thing that he, Gary Bettman has done in his tenure as NHL commissioner? I'm going to go with Sunbelt expansion. Um, from a grassroots perspective, mm-hmm. it's been massive. You look at the participation numbers in the U.S., especially from states like California, Florida, Texas, um, you know, they're all going up. We're seeing talent come out of there. Obviously, Austin Matthews being an Arizona product. Um, but just the fact that it's really rounded out the league. You talk about TV revenues, all the major markets there. Um, you know, sure, they're, not, they're quote unquote non-traditional markets. But now they're getting their own traditions. Yep. And I think that was a great step. No, oh, yeah, and, and Bettman gets hammered left and right for all the things he does wrong. So, you know, I like this idea of what he's done right. And, um, I love the expansion idea, but the, what I'm going for is, you know, after that last lockout um, where he did get, or not last one, but the 2004-05 lockout where he got completely hammered uh, for having a lockout, a lot of good rules came out of that. Um, obstruction kind of went uh, away. Um, yep. You know, he got rid of the, the red line. So, you know, the speed and skill of today's game, I don't think could happen without a lot of those changes. Yeah, very true. All right, sticking with the NHL theme. I think you've discussed this before, but I'm going to ask it again, given the last three days. (laughs) George Peros, if you were no longer head of player safety, who would you like leading the department? Okay, so I don't know if he's interested in the job, but for me, the perfect candidate would be Paul Correa. Oh, that's who I was going to say. Really? Wow. Great minds thinking alike. Or like Eric Lindros. Yeah, okay. Right? Either one of them. Where somebody, because, you know, 
you want somebody that's played the game at a high level, obviously at the NHL level for a long time, but you know we've had players that uh, know what enforcers are all about and what you know tough guys are all about. But let's get a skill guy in there and somebody that obviously knows the trauma of concussions. So that would be my pick is Paul Correa. Yeah, you know what? I I love that idea, Ryan, because, you know, the one argument against George Peros is that, you know, he's a violent gentleman, as his clothing line would go. And, you know, to have a guy who spent his career, you know, fighting, um, let's get a guy who spent his career or had his career ended abruptly because of, you know, something that should have been enforced. So Mm -hmm. I, I love the idea of Korea. I don't think he's the kind of guy that would probably welcome it. But in a guy like Eric Lindros, I've you know, talked to him numerous times, um, whether it's about Rowan's Law or just about the issue of concussions. Um, he'd be a perfect guy in my mind. Mm. All right. Zach Parise signed with Colorado yesterday. Do you like the fit? I do like the fit because... I feel like with teams that have already won a Stanley Cup recently, yeah. sometimes it's nice to have that extra little motivation. Getting Zach Parise a ring, he can be that sort of totem for the rest of the abs where it's like, let's get one for Zach. You know, it's like the whole core, they've got their ring already. Mm-hmm. But the motivation to get somebody, you know, a really classy veteran, let's, let's face it. And again, you know, like I've talked to Zach Parise numerous times over the years. Always been a great guy to me, yeah. um, but I don't think anybody's ever had anything bad to say about Zach Parise, um, other than, I guess, his contract <laughs> and, and the immovability of it back in his uh, Minnesota days. But uh, I think it gives the Avs someone to sort of, like, pull for as they go for another Stanley Cup. Yeah, Parise's 39 years old, uh, so it's a, you're, you're getting a guy with open TikTok. eyes here. Like you, you know what you, you know where you're getting with him. At yeah. the same time, he had 21 goals last year for the Islanders, and yeah. you know I don't think he's going to be a 20 goal scorer. You're getting that kind of uh, offensive potential when you get Parise this year, but yeah, this is an Abs team that I think is you know gearing up for another long Stanley Cup run, especially after going in, out in the first round last year. So. Uh, looks like Gabriel Landeskog is going to be back for them, and now you add in a Parise. Oh, boy, watch out. Mm. All right. I want you to pick one surprise team who is going to sell at the NHL trade deadline. All right. This is a good question because it's hard. So I'm going to be super hot taking. I'm going to say Tampa Bay. Whoa. Whoa. You said surprise. Happening. Come I on. Like, let's say they drop a little bit more in the standings. No one would ever suspect that. So that's <laughs> why it's a surprise. I like uh, that. I'm going to go L.A. Um, mm. We're already hearing rumblings that Dubois might be on the move, although I think that's going to be a hockey trade. Chances are, like when you move players of that ilk, um, it's probably going to be with an eye to the future. So mm. I don't think LA is going to miss the playoffs, but even if they're a bubble team, you know, gearing up for what's to come in a year or two is probably a good move. So I'm going with the Kings. All right, last question. Justin Trudeau, we were just <laughs> talking about him, replied to one of our people. Ian Kennedy this week on social media. So my question for you is, who is the most famous person you have had an interaction with on social media? Seth Rogen. I, I went as preacher for Halloween one time and I tagged him and he liked it. So there you go. Uh, I'm going John Cena. He, he was asking me for work good advice. No. Nice. <laughs> uh, listen, this was the Hockey News pregame show. Uh, thank you to BetMGM and NorthlandHockey.com uh, for sponsoring us. And that's Ryan Kennedy. I'm Michael Trakos. We'll see you next week at the rink.